This is episode number 101 of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. We're so excited to have you with us on this episode of To Birth and Beyond. I'm Jessie Mundell, mom, kinesiologist, and fitness coach to pregnant and current moms. And I'm Anita Lambert, mom, pelvic health, and orthopedic physiotherapist with a focus on women's health. On the show, we provide information and education on fitness, the pelvic floor, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and women's health. We offer a brave space to have candid and vulnerable conversations on the struggles and joys of motherhood, including all aspects of our physical, mental, and emotional health. While you're listening in, please remember that the information on the show is not meant to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Please speak with your medical provider for all things related to your health care. We're so excited to have you. Let's dive into today's show. Hey, it's Anita here. Before we jump into today's episode, I'm excited to share that my Bump to Birth online program to help prepare you, your pelvic floor and core for birth will be available at the end of January. With this program, you'll have a better understanding of how to connect to your core and pelvic floor in pregnancy beyond traditional Kegels. Whether this is your first birth or fifth birth, this course will give you step-by-step guidance how to have a more comfortable and active pregnancy, along with key strategies to help prepare your mind, body, including your pelvic floor for labor, how to support you and your pelvic floor for pushing during birth, and how to prepare ahead of time for your first six weeks of recovery postpartum. If you want to get on the wait list, which will give you early access plus an extra bonus, then grab my free guide, Three Common Misconceptions When Preparing Your Pelvic Floor for Birth and What to Do Instead. If you're pregnant or know someone who is, this free guide and my upcoming course is key for preparing for birth. Head to the show notes at tobirthandbeyond.com for this episode or go to my website, holistichealthphysio.com to sign up for the waitlist and get your free prenatal pelvic floor guide today. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Two Birth and Beyond podcast. It's Jesse Mundell and Anita Lambert. And today we want to talk about postpartum recovery. And we've done a few episodes about this in the past. However, today we want to talk about specifically while you're still pregnant, preparing for postpartum recovery, because it really seems like people don't hear this information until after they've given birth. Um, And if you are postpartum, this is still really relevant information to learn. We just want to put a bit of a spin on it um, that if you are pregnant, knowing this information ahead of time can really make a difference postpartum. Yeah, totally. It's kind of like we want to sidestep the, but no one told me this would happen before we even get to that part of it. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious, Jess, like when you were pregnant with Steele, I know like with your first, I know you were already working with pregnant and postpartum clients. I'm curious now looking back, do you feel there were things you wish you had known before giving birth to steel for Mm. your postpartum recovery? Yeah, that's a great question. Generally, I would say no, truthfully. It is something that I've thought about so much over the last four and a half years, especially when I had a difficult mental and emotional recovery after that birth that was a planned home birth and then resulted in an emergency C-section. I kept wondering if there was things that I wish someone had said differently to me. And it was not at all about birth itself or the physical recovery of birth postpartum. 
it really, I don't know if anyone could have said anything differently to me about the mindset of birth and what successful birth was. I just think that I needed to learn that lesson in a specific way. And always, I don't think that we need to endure trauma to come to the other side of these things. But I'm not sure, I'm not sure how I would have got that lesson any other way in that version of myself and what I had thought about birth. So for sure, I was immersed in these kind of natural birthing worlds. And I think that it would have done me so much good to have not been. But again, it was, I think, like a product of my own anxiety, trying to control the situation so hard. So I don't know if it would have been that different. Mm -hmm. What about you? Yeah, I feel I was similar in terms of really immersed like in the birth and pregnancy and postpartum world and seeing clients for it. And I feel I tried to gain like all the information I possibly could, which I do think was helpful with, you know, stages of recovery. Um, And I agree going through it is a big part of that. Like you don't know until you're really in it. Um, But I did find knowing for me I like to know as much information I can ahead of time so then I may need it after but I may not um I found that helpful totally um, with recovery yeah 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 I look back at that time so grateful that I had been working with pregnant and postpartum people for like eight years prior to that I had just so much information and so many stories that yeah it was a wonderful experience ultimately mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a big part um, for people to understand that I think when you're working in it, like we've, at that point, we've both heard so many different birth stories, clients going through all different types of pregnancy experiences and postpartum recovery. So I think that also adds a different element that we've seen and heard and worked with people of all different experiences. Um, And something when I have clients coming in uh, that... I've seen more and more in terms of pregnancy, people coming in, first time moms coming in saying, you know, they heard from friends, they are supposed to learn about their pelvic floor and how to connect with it because they've heard about postpartum recoveries from their friends. And, you know, we always want people to know, like, no one can guarantee how your pregnancy is going to go, your birth is going to go, or your postpartum recovery. However, learning to connect um, and understand, especially like the pelvic floor and core, because it's such a big part of all those stages. And I've seen so often, and I experienced that myself, that you know, once you go through birth, you very much get to know your pelvic floor um, afterwards. And then so subsequent pregnancies have moms coming in being like, I wish I wish I knew this in my first pregnancy. Um, So that idea of learning how to activate and relax your pelvic floor in pregnancy can be so important. And it goes beyond kind of traditional Kegels. And I think the thing with Kegels, because they aren't bad, doing pelvic floor muscle training is not a bad thing to do in pregnancy at all. Um, There is research to show that it could be beneficial also to do in pregnancy for actually postpartum recovery. Um, There's been research looking at specifically incontinence and that there could be a benefit of doing it before. And I like to look at this as kind of prehab. So if anyone has had any type of surgery or has known anyone who has, 
whether it's knee or hip or shoulder, any type of surgery is most often people have to go to physio before their surgeon will make them go to physio before um, and after. So the before surgery is prehab where they learn how to strengthen and activate muscles around the area, but also their whole body. And ultimately that helps with their post-op recovery. So similar with birth, I wish there was more talk around that. Um, whether you have a cesarean or a vaginal birth, that learning to connect, um, and I don't want to say that you're not connected in pregnancy, even if you have symptoms, these muscles don't shut off. It's more that you may find a different way to access them or maybe different strategies to use them with different movements that might be symptomatic. But then also going into birth, having strength in your pelvic floor is very helpful, um, but also knowing how to relax these muscles during your birth experience can be helpful. Um, and then using both of these uh, or both of these strategies postpartum, super helpful with recovery, especially that initial part. I'm so interested. I wish I could be a fly on the wall just hearing what you talk with patients about all day long. I can't imagine how many times you talk about relaxing your pelvic floor. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably it's, just on a loop. Yeah, it's true. And we do talk about that a lot. And I think it goes back to even that idea that a lot of people hear about Kegels, but traditionally people are told or what they hear about on the internet is just, you know, squeezing these muscles that stop you from going pee. And yes, these muscles activate. So we often will talk about an image because I know it's hard on a podcast to really show images. But if you think of a bicep curl, like you're not just going to curl your arm and just keep it curled all day walking around. It's going to lift, it's going to lower, it's going to lengthen. So we need, some people need it, especially if they have tension in their pelvic floor, so for instance, if you're experiencing uh, pain with intercourse penetration, some people who are having leaking, there may be pelvic floor tension or overactivation of the pelvic floor as well. Um, there can be a lot of different symptoms that pelvic floor tension or overactivation may be a part of it. And so just having that awareness how to relax those muscles can help symptoms in pregnancy, but I have so many clients then that take that into birth. And whether you have an epidural or not, so many people find knowing how to connect to relax those muscles actually helps to relax the whole body. Um, and they feel it actually helps with their birth experience as well. Yeah, so key about feeling it relax the whole body too. I'm also interested to know if you have people coming to you in pregnancy who have perhaps gone to their doctor and told them about these symptoms they might be having. And then doctor recommended to do Kegels and it's like a lot of Kegels or they've read on the internet and online somewhere to do lots and lots of Kegels still, because I still have clients that that is their assumption that if they might be leaking, for example, in pregnancy, then they should be doing 500 Kegels per day. Yeah, no, I agree. And there are people who come in. What's interesting is that more and more now that there's awareness about um, being able to relax these muscles, that that's actually a part of their function and we need to be able to do that. I'm getting more and more people coming in being sent from their midwives, from their OBs, from their family docs. And because of the symptoms they have, they're like, you need to see pelvic physio and you know, learn how to do this and actually to not do Kegels. So that's actually been great to see that to start to change. Um, but then the other side of it is I do get a lot of um, clients coming in pregnancy or postpartum who it's actually their friends. 
their friends, their girlfriends have been saying. Um, so go see a pelvic physio while you're pregnant. This really helped with my birth, or I wish I had known this before. I learned actually postpartum how to relax my pelvic floor. Go learn this in pregnancy. You'll be thankful you did. So I get that side of it too, that they just hear from friends. Um, how important knowing how to connect to these muscles, not just activate and not just strengthen, but also how to relax them. Um, so that's been really cool over time to see that start to shift as well. Yeah, I love it. Times are changing for sure. Um, so another side that I feel can be helpful to know about in pregnancy, and again, oftentimes this, this can be brought up if someone is having a planned cesarean, then there may be some talk about their cesarean scar while they're still pregnant. But a lot of times for people with an unplanned cesarean have not heard anything about addressing their scar or postpartum. And so I try, I let clients know, especially near the end of their pregnancy, if an unplanned cesarean comes up to let them know we will be doing similar recovery to a vaginal birth, but also have a focus um, around their scar. And so to let them know kind of ahead of time that this will make sense afterwards if they do end up having a cesarean, that addressing their scar will be important. Um, it can help with lots of different things. We want to be able to desensitize the scar so it can be, it may feel numb, it may feel painful. Um, it's, there can be lots of different sensations around it afterwards. So it's important that we want to be able to massage it to help desensitize it, which can then help with other symptoms too. Um, I've had clients who, by working on their scar, it helps with back pain, with pelvic pain, with pelvic floor symptoms as well. So to know ahead of time, even if you're not thinking you're going to be having a cesarean birth, one in three births in North America end up being a cesarean planned or unplanned. So to have an idea of this ahead of time and have an idea of what to be working on to help with your recovery, I find can be super helpful. Uh, and we'll put the, in the show notes, we'll put a video that I've done on, uh, uh, on massaging your scar. Um, and then also Jess has an awesome, your core and floor restore course. Uh, there's a vaginal option and then also a cesarean birth option, which is excellent. I've had clients who actually have gone through that and then come see me or they're doing it at the same time. So Definitely a lot of people around the world are doing those courses. That's so cool. I, what I love most about that is that you are talking about the possibility of C-section with your people while they're pregnant. I feel like when I look back on my first pregnancy that resulted in that emergency C-section, I think I was avoiding thinking about it so much because I had this idea that I didn't. I didn't even want to like have that thought touch my brain. I didn't want to manifest it in any way, which again, I think was my anxiety really trying to control the situation, but so key really to be thinking about all the possibilities that might occur. And then also your reassurance for them that if this does result in a cesarean, that is going to be okay. And here are the things that we are going to do afterwards to make sure that you feel okay. Mm -hmm. Yep. It's, I think it's really key to be aware. And I totally know what you're saying, Jess, with um, kind of avoiding thinking about certain things that can happen with birth. And I know with my first, with Pippa, I was also planning a home birth and we had a home birth. However, I was talking to the midwives about all the different things could happen. And if a cesarean were to happen, 
being aware of why it may be recommended and all these things. And then especially for my second, which was, it ended up being another planned home birth, but we went over in depth, all the different things, forceps, vacuum, if an episiotomy was ever going to be recommended. And just so that the midwives, like we were on the same page of like understanding um, what my preferences were, but also I understood in terms of if things were needing to go a certain way, I understood why. Um, and also with this, with both, we did a hospital tour, but especially with our second one, like I wanted to see the OR. And I know that in the moment, if we were transferred for cesarean, I might not be fully aware of all the things going on. There's so much happening. But for me, it felt actually good to see the OR and just to be really prepared for all the different options as prepared as you could possibly be. Yeah, it's so, so smart. I think that since you started talking about that more when you were pregnant with your second, with Jack and doing the hospital tour and uh, yeah, talking about all the different scenarios of what could happen. I've been talking about that a lot more with my clients who are planning vaginal births, but again, a lot can feel out of control going into birth. And I think that that can just bring a sense of peace to it. Mm -hmm. And also we wanted to talk about vaginal scars. So after um, giving birth, if you've had tearing or had an episiotomy, uh, once they put the stitches or sutures in, most often uh, they'll dissolve on their own. Some stitches do need to be taken out. So that's something to be aware of postpartum. During those first six weeks, a lot of that heal that initial healing, um, we'll be doing an upcoming episode more in depth on the stages of healing postpartum and tears and episiotomies because I really want you to, again, understand this while you're pregnant to really help with your postpartum recovery. Um, but to know in those first six weeks, typically they dissolve. However, if you feel things aren't quite right. If you're having severe pain, if you're having any issues, whether with bowel movements, like feeling that the tissue just feels very fragile or that something just doesn't feel right to you, please do not hesitate. Talk to your care provider, have them look because there could potentially be an infection or there could be um, a stitch or a suture that maybe hasn't dissolved and that's irritating the area and they can actually remove that for you. So to know that that's really important, if anything doesn't feel quite right to you, please go in and see your care provider. Um, but then once you get past that six weeks, and if you have access to a public health physio, it can be great for them to then assess that after that initial healing um, to see if there's tension or tightness around that area where you did have the tear or episiotomy, because that can be really helpful to work on. So then it'll be easier for you to, again, activate and relax the muscles in the area. Um, but they can also teach you how to do vaginal scar massage. Um, which may be helpful for you to do between sessions to really help um, relax the tissue, release any tension, desensitize the area. So that's also something to know ahead of time. And even at your six-week mark, have your care provider take a look at the scar area. And if you can't see a pelvic physio, still have your doctor or midwife look at the area and you can ask them if they would recommend that you do some scar massage on the area. Cool. I'm thinking about people who might be listening in and they are currently pregnant. They may have had a cesarean in a previous birth or a vaginal birth in a previous birth. 
and they have an upcoming birth ahead of them and maybe they didn't do any scar massage throughout maybe the last couple of years since they've had that birth is it useful to do now during pregnancy leading up to the birth Mm -hmm. Yeah, it definitely can be. Um, I've had clients do both, whether it's vaginal scar or cesarean scar. And often it's that with being able to assess it, I'll be able to give them information if I feel like that it would be useful. Um, So if you're seeing a pelvic physio, you can ask them because sometimes there may still be um, tenderness or sensitivity in that area, or just the tissue feels more taut than then ideally we would like going into birth. So it would, could be something that could be helpful to work on. And also with cesarean scar, but also any abdominal scar. So if you've had an epidectomy, a lot of people think, well, how is that related to anything? But thinking about that area being removed and then where that scar is, that can affect the tissue in the abdomen and deeper down. So even doing scar massage on that area can be quite helpful. Okay, so we want to also talk about mobility and strength training in pregnancy and how that can actually help your postpartum recovery. So again, that idea of doing this type of training in pregnancy could actually help with your progress in your postpartum recovery and just the demands of parenthood being, uh, especially with a little one. So Jess, I know this is something that you really talk a lot about with your clients with, and it's something that I progress my clients with as well. Um, One of the key things I find is lifting in pregnancy. And while our body is constantly changing in pregnancy and kind of our center of balance, that to be learning and practicing how to lift and lifting different kinds of weights, because postpartum strollers are not light, car seats with a baby in them are not light. And Yes, it can be helpful to have help postpartum. However, that's not always an option. So learning different strategies while you're pregnant, I find can really help postpartum and keeping up that strength in pregnancy as well. What do you kind of, what do you go over with your clients, Jess, in regards to that kind of strength training and lifting? Yeah, as you said, parenting is so physical and it's really physical from the get-go. There's no break period. There's no true real recovery after birth as much as you can try to rest and recovery. Even the physicality of caring for a newborn is a lot. And then I always think back to how much my physical strength, my muscular strength helped me with cesarean recovery and how shocked I was by that the first time around when I really needed my upper body so desperately to help me do anything, walk up the stairs, get out of the chair. I was relying on my upper body strength so, so much and totally felt that the second time around too after my next cesarean. So Yeah, this is a biggie for pregnancy. If you are able to strength train to some degree, it can be so helpful for postpartum when your strength is going to be needed in lots of different and often awkward ways. As you said, carrying the car seat, carrying a stroller, these are not things that we might have lifted in these ways before lots of times. It can be weird on the body. But some background in strength training with lifting, weightlifting or resistance-based training, whatever it might be, 
can be super helpful in a time period when your body is under a lot of stress and your recovery time is low. Relying on that muscular strength can get you through. And I just, I always think too, with parenting a newborn and how much of that care is in arms and having the upper body strength to be able to support that is really useful just in itself and being on your feet quite a lot. Um, And again, just only thinking about this in terms of having one newborn at home isn't the reality for lots of recently postpartum people. There might be big kids at home too. And I know for both you and I, after our second babies were born, we had almost three-year-olds at home who were also demanding our attention and they were much heavier than a newborn. (laughs) And, you know, I think still my oldest was probably like 35-ish pounds by the time baby number two is born. And she wanted to be up and she wanted to be held. And that is a difficult task. So I just think that often... I know some people can still be a little bit nervous about strength training during pregnancy. I think that myth is really starting to be busted, which is so fun to see. And I know that some medical professionals still put these upper limits on how much weight people can be lifting, whether it's 20 pounds, 30 pounds, that is what is often told. And I think we've talked about this before on the podcast, but those guidelines as a blanket statement for every pregnant person are not necessary or useful. There absolutely can be contraindications where it is, but for most people, we need to be learning, like you said, strategies to be able to lift that amount of weight in a way that feels okay on our bodies. Yeah. And I love that you said um, earlier as well about awkward, like awkward lifting, awkward carrying, And that would be one thing I would definitely say before I had my first, that was, you know, when I was seeing clients, I was really focusing on like doing things a certain way. And then you have a baby and you're like, um, like putting your baby in the crib and the playpen and all these kind of awkward and getting them in and out of the car. Like you have to, your body has to be able to adapt to those really awkward positions. And that is okay. Like there is no perfect posture and you can't, you can't maintain this quote unquote perfect posture with any of those movements either. So it's, uh, that's something that I've been focusing on too, is having people understand like, yes, there are postures that may feel more supportive. They may help your symptoms during pregnancy and postpartum, but to know we don't have to live in them 24 seven and our body likes variation and likes movement. So you know, just to be aware of that, that you don't need to be in one position 24 seven. And that brings us to when the next point we want to talk about is mobility. And I find mobility work really helps with those awkward positions too. And especially in pregnancy, as your belly is growing and your chest is growing, like oftentimes will, you know, certain movements will feel more stiff or awkward or challenging, like putting your shoes on, um, things like that. So mobility work in terms of kind of flexibility work and just movement that feels really good, moving through lots of different ranges of motion. I know sometimes it, and it's again, getting less now, but there's kind of a myth around like, don't ever curl your back or round your back in pregnancy that you need to kind of stay with this upright posture all the time. And and again, that upright posture 
may feel beneficial for a number of different reasons. However, I really encourage you to practice all the different mobility because that's going to help you all the way till the end of pregnancy feel more comfortable um, and then also help postpartum in terms of recovery. But also if you think too, and I think Jess, you had brought this up, uh, maybe it was with steel that you hadn't done a lot of that kind of flexion movement. And then when you needed to have an epidural, being able to curl, you found really challenging. And I remember hearing that and I'm like, it makes so much sense. So like, I do encourage clients, like, do not be afraid to move through ranges of motion, um, especially for the spine. It feels really good and it's needed. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yes. I still remember that moment so perfectly when I was on that operating table in that first C-section and they were like, we need you to round your back harder to get this. It was the spinal tap and then the epidural. And I was like, I am, (laughs) I am rounding as hard as I can, but I had avoided spinal flexion for years before that because I was so nervous about lots of rounding through the spine and the abdominal wall and diastasis during pregnancy. So in this second pregnancy, I was like, no way that is happening again. So I've practiced way more spinal flexion and extension. And I was just far more uncomfortable during the second pregnancy. So it helped me feel much more comfortable to move my body in lots of different ways and lots of ways that I had made myself feel were off limits for so long before then. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's really helpful for everyone to hear. And similar in pregnancy, when your belly and chest is growing and you may feel your shoulders rounding all the time, what I find feels so good in pregnancy. And then this carries over into postpartum. So that's why I say, you know, start this in pregnancy is like upper back opening work. And there's so many different ways this like to do this. I have people who use, whether it's foam rollers or tennis balls or yoga postures or stretches that you enjoy to really open up the upper back and chest. Because again, postpartum, whether you're bottle feeding or nursing, but just carrying that baby, you're constantly forward, which again, I want people to know is not a bad posture. It just tends to be, we end up being there a lot. So you may feel tension. So starting in pregnancy of creating that openness in the upper back and chest, I find is really nice and can like carry over into postpartum, or at least if you find exercises you really liked in pregnancy, you could then have those be your go-to ones postpartum to help with any tension you're feeling in that area. So one other area that I talk to my clients about while they're still pregnant is support postpartum. So asking them, because a lot of people, and I know even with my first, I wasn't really thinking about this either. So do you have a plan in place or do you have an idea of who is going to be able to support you? Like if you have a partner, are they going to be off work for a certain period of time? How are they going to be able to help or what do you feel would be most helpful for them, especially if you have more than one child at home? Um, And then also, is there other friends and family or support in the community? So speaking to your care provider, you know, whether it's social workers or counselors or public health physios or chiros, massage therapists, fitness professionals, are there supports within your community that could really benefit you postpartum that even just being aware of who they are, setting things up ahead of time, if that's possible, 
Because then again, going into birth, you'll be a little bit more at ease knowing, okay, I may not know how birth is going to go, but I've got this support system postpartum. Um, and for everyone, I totally understand accessibility is going to be different. And even with family, not everyone has family close to them. I didn't with my first birth, but I did with my second. So I've experienced kind of both sides of that. And I know Jess, with both of yours, you didn't, you don't have family near you, but you did have family come to stay with you, right? For both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm just trying to think about how long after my first was born, my whole family came, my mom, my dad, my sister, my grandma. And that happened the second time as well too, which was wonderful. And they were there for about a week postpartum, I think. But it was the thing that maybe was most, one of the most jarring things after that first unplanned cesarean was that we needed so much help. And I hadn't really thought that through fully because I was imagining this vaginal birth and we're going to stay at home and then we're just going to be at home and everything was going to be kind of okay. And that really wasn't the case at all. We needed so much more help around the house with basically just the doing of things, cooking meals, keeping up with the garbage and recycling and cooking and the cleaning and all that stuff. So it was definitely something we planned for much more thoroughly the second time around, just having that experience the first time of being like, oh yeah, this is major. And sometimes this job is even bigger than two people at home. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's really helpful for people to hear that, you know, you may need more help than you think. Oftentimes we do need more help than we think until we're in it anymore. We're in it. It can still be hard to ask for help. So if ahead of time you have the people you know who you can count on, it's much easier to ask um, and even talking to them while you're still pregnant. So if there's certain people you know can help with certain aspects, whether it's with older children or like you said, things around the house, um, to talk to them in pregnancy. So then again, postpartum, when you do need their help, it's much easier to ask and they're kind of, they're already expecting you to ask, which can be really helpful. So I think it's really good. Think ahead about those support systems uh, that are available to you, but then there may be some that you aren't aware of. So again, talking to your care provider, talking to friends and family who live in your community, and they'll often have recommendations to people in your area to get connected with. Mm -hmm. I know for a lot of my clients with this conversation, they feel like they might be inconveniencing other people to ask for help, or they might be a burden. And so we try to check that story a lot and unpack what that all is about. And ultimately remember that these people in your life who you might be calling on, they want to help. It feels good for them. And I know, I just think on times in my life when people have asked me for help and to be able to serve in that way, maybe it could be a selfish thing, but it feels good to be able to do that for someone else. Mm -hmm. And I think also for them to know what you want them to help with. Because sometimes people can make assumptions what you want to help with. Maybe they think you they want or that you want them to come and just hold your baby. But maybe you you want to be the one holding your baby and you need them to do other stuff or vice versa. So I, I agree it can be very challenging to do. But again, to think ahead of time 
for whatever you can, a little bit of planning of support while you're pregnant can really make a big difference in your postpartum experience. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. You can find any links or resources we discussed in the show notes at tobirthandbeyond.com. And if you enjoyed today's show, we would love for you to leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to the To Birth and Beyond podcast in iTunes or Stitcher. 